Good morning. This is Darrell Gunter, your host for leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. And today we're going to have our recurring guest, Mr. Jim Smith. He's the CEO and founder of GAN Analysis LLC. Jim, welcome back to the program. Well, Darrell, thanks for having me on on a special day here. Yeah, I tell you, um, we're recording this the day before, so it's Friday, and the S&P is at 2891. The Dow is down right now at 3%, 847 points, and it's all surrounding what's going on with the coronavirus. So I I appreciate you coming on because I wanted to uh, get your viewpoint on what the GAN charts are, are, are speaking to you in regards to how it's going to address this fantastic, not fantastic, this horrible drop in the stock market. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Jim. What is going on? Where is the market? What is Gan telling us about where the markets might be going? Well, the key thing this morning, uh, you have to keep an eye on the S&P. I'm looking at the cash market, not the uh, futures. Uh, if you if you're looking at SPX, S&P cash, the key level is 2870. Now we got down slightly below that and we're now above it. But the important thing is how are we going to close the day? Uh, the close is always more important than what you do intraday. So what I'm telling clients is just keep an eye on that level, 2870. Uh, 50% retracement of a large swing is an important level to watch. Gann always said, the most important division of the range is the 50% mark. So what you want to do is make up your mind, not based on the emotion of today's selling, but based on how we close the day. If we close below that level, you may go down to 2739, which is a 5 eighths retracement. Gam believed you could divide the swing into eight parts. And so you have a two-eighths retracement, three-eighths, four-eighths, which is 50%, five-eighths, six-eighths, seven-eighths, and then the complete swing. So what I'm saying to clients is I don't have a crystal ball. I don't really know how we're going to close the day. But if you bounce off that 50% mark at 2870, you're going to get a reaction rally. And it may not start today. It might be that you do nothing into the close, drift around where current levels, and then maybe Monday or Tuesday we, we go up. Uh, the only caveat is if you close below 2870, then, you know, this ugly selling is just going to continue. And so when you think about, because we, we, we talked a couple of weeks ago, on the program, and there was a concern about the coronavirus. Now, how does this affect where you think the long-term effects of gold and silver? Because I know you feel that uh, silver is a great opportunity long-term, utilizing the GAN analysis. Does this have an effect on that, or is this independent of that? No, I think it's. I think everything has an effect on it, and. The reality is, uh, a few weeks ago when we we talked, I was of the opinion, and I've been telling clients all along, that the media 
and various governments were underplaying the risk of the coronavirus. And the only reason I had any special knowledge on this is not because I'm a doctor or any, I'm not a bio, a biologist. I don't know anything about the coronavirus, but I did see that the GAN cycles were calling for a, a possible top in mid-February for the S&P. And I got to wondering, could it be that the coronavirus was, in effect, responsible for the impending sell-off? So, in fact, it was. Uh, now, as we talk here today, it looks like we're a little oversold. So we're probably overdue for some sort of reaction rally. Uh, there's been a lot of forced selling. People were getting margin calls. And where this plays into gold and silver, it forces the Fed to respond. Now, a lot of people are discounting the idea that, oh, there's going to be at least two rate cuts this year because the Fed has to respond to this emergency situation in the financial markets. And I agree, they probably now, will. If I, may if I may jump in, you said this emergency situation. Now, my humble opinion, I am not an analyst. I just have a gut feel, you know, watching the market since I was 24, working at Dow Jones Financial News Services. I have always felt that this stock market was way overheated. Now, you're saying that this is an emergency because it's, it's dropped a few hundred points? Well, the, the thing is, it's the, the rate of the drop. Uh, people were saying that, hey, this is the ugliest week for, stock mar for the stock market since 2008. I mean, it's, it's really looking pretty bad. Yeah, that but, kind of but, but, but looking at it, why should we be alarmed when you have China is shutting down part of their country? Italy has shut down their country. Commerce is going to stop. This is, this is rem reminiscent of what happened in 9-11. People couldn't fly to do business. So, you know, that's a natural effect in macroeconomics. Wouldn't you agree? I do, but I also know after 9-11, the Fed was very active. So the reason we bounced back is because, you know, 9-11, the Fed will respond when things like this happen. Uh, so the only question I have now, which I think uh, some people are wondering, you know, with the Fed having used a lot of their ammunition, they've done QE1, QE2, QE3, QE4. I lost count. I don't know which QE we're on now. Are we on five or six? Uh, a lot of people just say it's QE forever. Rates are pretty low already. So a lot of people, a lot of economists are wondering, even if they cut rates, is it going to do any good? Uh, that's the really scary notion. If, if they cut rates and yet the market continues to go down, well, that would be really scary. So we don't, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's something you want to watch out for. So, okay. Now, do you feel that the markets, but prior to the situation with the coronavirus, did you feel that the markets were moving at a normal pace or did you, or do, or you of my opinion that the markets were super hyper inflated as they far were. as the Dow, as far as the Dow? Actually, uh, you and I had a conversation last fall and I was expecting the stock market to crash last fall. So I was flat out wrong. And partly because the Fed intervened in the repo market, provided more liquidity. It was another form of QE. 
even though they said it was not QE, obviously it was, the stock market responded and they effectively delayed this correction. I think it should have happened last fall, but because the Fed was active, they managed to juice it up and you got this frothier rally. And I'm of the same opinion you are. This is a frothy market. We are having a pullback. Uh, which we probably would have had last fall if not for the Fed. Okay. All right. So QE, for the benefit of our audience, who is wondering what is QE, quantitative easing. Could you define that for our audience, Jim? Well, it's just when the the quantity of money, uh, the Fed has the – ability to print money and support the market anytime they want. They, they can do all kinds of things. They can go into the repo market and support it there. Uh, they, can, they can actually uh, buy bonds and support the bond market. Or in some countries, you know, some central banks will even go in and buy the stock market. So by doing that, they're increasing the money supply. And effectively, that uh, supports the market. They Effectively, you don't have free markets anymore. You have a, a kind of, uh, if you will, socialism for the financial markets. Whenever oh, they oh, 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 you're using you're using the S word. I am, but that's oh what my it goodness, is. but that's what it is. Because you, the reality is, if you intervene to support the market every time it gets in trouble, that's not a free market. But that's what we do. You know. Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's like, I'm not saying I believe in socialism, quite, quite the opposite, but we haven't had free markets for a while. I mean, look at the bond market. I mean, what percent of our bonds, I mean, if you look at Japan or the U.S. or any country, a lot of the central banks are buying bonds and they own a huge percentage of the, of the bonds outstanding. So, all that is money, is printing money. It means that paper money is becoming less and less valuable uh, because, you know, they just keep printing more of it. It's like monopoly money. Well, uh, you know what? You, you, you bring up something, and, and, and I want to get your thoughts on this. When you think about the bond market, bonds of debt, right? So the corporate debt is at an all-time high, if my information is correct. So when you think about um, the quantitative easing, the corporate debt, uh, the tax cuts that would provide it to the corporations. And instead of putting the money back in, um, they pretty much have repurchased shares. They haven't paid down their corporate debt. What type of a multi-dimensional effect with the coronavirus is this having on our stock market? Yeah, I think there are all kinds of things going on. It's never just one thing, but yeah, stock buybacks are a big reason why the stock market kept going up. And, you know, if you keep buying back your stock, um, there are fewer, fewer stocks outstanding. Uh, it's, it, it can't go on forever, but you know, that has been responsible for a big part of the rally in the stock market. So, you mm-hmm. know, if, so if you can say coronavirus is now, uh, maybe the trigger to end that game. I don't know. I just know that once the market gains downside momentum, people really get afraid. They panic. 
it, it's an old story, you know, boom and bust. We've seen this over, over the years. It happens, you know, pretty much every 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. uh, so some market somewhere is going to have a boom and a bust every 10 years. And, you know, a lot of the focus in the global capital markets has been on the U.S. stock market. And so we've, we've had this huge rally. Mm -hmm. uh, it can't go on forever. So at the time of our record, we're recording this on the Friday before the 20, February 28th. The time is right now 11.16. And I'm looking at the Dow averages. Uh, it's 249812.12, down 818.52 points, 3.18%. So I'm going I'm to put you out there on the limb, sir. What do you think is going to end up at the end of the day? What does Gan tell us about what the end of the day is going to show as far as this Dow average? Uh, again, I would go back to that 50% retracement at 28.70 on the S&P. I tend to follow the S&P more than the Dow. So if you get a close below 28.70, you're going down to 27.39. But more likely, we're so overdone, we've been selling off day after day after day. Even if you're bearish on this market, sooner or later you have to realize there's going to be a bounce. And I think we're probably going to get it this afternoon. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll rally back. All the forced selling, once that's out of the way, because people had to meet margin calls, they or they panicked, all that selling is out of the way, boom, guess what? No more sellers. You're going to see buyers come in and buy the market. So it doesn't right, mean I'm bullish, but it just means that mm -hmm. it's a natural thing it's for the market. It's a natural thing, yeah. yeah. So the S&P right now, I mean, I'm delayed 15 minutes, um, so, but it says it's at 2897.12. Uh, it's down 2.81%. So it's down 83.6 points. So where do you think the S&P will end up at the end of the day? Well, that's a coin flip. I, I don't have a crystal ball. Oh, I flip. Go ahead and flip your coin. It's okay. I think it's going to come back to 29, I would say maybe 29.30. I think it's going to rally back. Um, and then next week it'll rally even more. Uh, I think it, we're overdone on the downside. It's time for it to come back. It doesn't mean you're going to go back to new highs, but it means you'll have some sort of reaction rally next week. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. James Smith. I like to call him Jim because he's a good friend of mine. He is the CEO and founder of GAN Analysis and, uh, L, excuse me, LLC. And um, he has been on our program several times before. You can catch them on, on, on our podcast on iTunes. And it's always a pleasure to have, have, have you on, Jim. So, Jim, earlier in, in this discussion, you talked about that um, the markets are not a free market. And, and I, I'm, I'm curious to see what your thoughts are in regards to as blockchain is implemented throughout the financial industry, what role can blockchain play in getting back to free markets? Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, if you think about it logically, uh, blockchain and uh, Bitcoin and digital assets in general, uh, they're kind of out there and it's kind of like the old West, it's bandit country where, you know, you get scalped by Indians or, you know, robbers or 
robbing stagecoaches. It's, it's the wild, wild west. That's where we are with Bitcoin and digital assets and blockchain right now. I think that's changing, that's evolving where, uh, you know, people are going to start using digital currencies uh, on a more regular basis. If you can get over the hump of making the transaction more fluid, where it doesn't take forever to uh, complete the transaction and you, you start trading or you start buying things in those currencies, uh, that I think is going to make it more difficult for central banks to just print unlimited amounts of money, which is what the Fed has been doing. So it wouldn't surprise me if the Fed doesn't like digital currencies the same way they don't like gold, because effectively gold and digital currencies are a, a basically a confrontation to the current system where central banks can just do whatever they want. Uh, you can, they can print unlimited amounts of paper currencies, but if you think about it, Bitcoin, there's a limit to the number of coins that can be printed. I think it's around 21 million. So the reality is once you reach that limit, you can't print any more Bitcoins. That's very unlike the situation with the dollar. You know, they can print $10 trillion. They could do $100 trillion, whatever they want to do. But that's not true for digital assets. So uh, some digital currencies, they can print as many as they want. But with Bitcoin, there is a, a hard limit on how, how many Bitcoins will ever come into existence. And some people say, well, they can change the rules down the road. That's true. And, you know, if they do, they'll lose some credibility. So I don't think they're going to do that. But the reality is um, people are going to look for an alternative to paper currencies when they see that uh, this is going to create inflation down the road. You don't see inflation right now, but down the road, you, you can't go on printing currencies like that, printing money, and, and not have it devalue the currency. So you will have inflation. Uh, and I, that's one reason why I think gold and silver are going to come back, as well as, you know, Bitcoin. So keep in mind that um, Bitcoin, of course, is built on the blockchain technology, right? And it was built with certain tools. But the efficacy of, of blockchain technology where it provides information into this hash block and it allows for transparency in regards to um, who looked at that piece of information or whatever the transaction was in its date and timestamp. So technically you can look at the technology being utilized in a different way because a statement you said earlier, maybe I misunderstood, but you said, you know, I, I can't keep up with all of the quantitative easing that's been going on. Now, Maybe there's already sophisticated programs that look at when the quantitative easing happens and, and what is the effect on the economy. Maybe that's already exists. But from my perspective, my hypothesis is that with, with, with the blockchain technology, which is a distributed ledger, whether it's public or private, um, that we'll be able to really track the progress or the good or bad, or in either way, when, 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 the, when the Fed is involved in these different activities. Um, it's been my experience that typically 
technology always comes first and then the legislation catches up because people need to understand it. Um, do you think that would be a possibility down the road in a couple of years? It's possible. Anything's possible. I, I you know, it's a, an evolving market blockchain. I think the big attraction to blockchain is uh, you're creating trust between two parties that maybe don't know each other. They know that blockchain is reliable. They know that they can make a transaction. They can do commerce via blockchain. And as that evolves and gets better and more trustworthy, uh, it, it starts to create efficiencies. You know, that's, that's why a lot of people are interested in it because it's, it's going to affect banking in a huge way. And more so than I think the Federal Reserve, I think it affects banking and the idea that uh, down the road, it may become a, a new way to, to transact. Uh, it doesn't look like that way right now, but I'm, if you project down the road a couple of years, uh, you can easily imagine that both blockchain and digital currencies will be a far bigger part of our daily life. So, exactly. And also the buying and selling of stocks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you, people do that. I mean, like, give you an example. On, I noticed just within the last couple of weeks, uh, an ad for a company called Figure.com. And Figure.com is a blockchain mortgage application company. Sure. I mean, you know, any sort of transaction you want to do, I'm sure there will be a way to do it on blockchain. Uh, I'm sure down the road you'll see an evolution where more and more business will be done via blockchain. So I, I don't disagree with that. Excellent. So let's get back to the stock market. Where, where are we? Where's the S&P right now, Jim? Uh, let's see. I was just checking it. And, uh, it's 11.26 a.m. On the East Coast here in the uh, U.S., twenty nine hundred. So in the time that we've talked, it's moved up. It's inching higher, mm -hmm. and I told you twenty nine thirty. Keep in mind that's just don't hold me to that. That's just a of course, guess. of course, of course. And of course. that's not the kind of thing I do for my clients. I just told them it's probably going to bounce. I don't give them a right. an exact level where it's going to close the day because. That's crystal ball stuff, and I don't really do that. But so, Jim, you know, let's talk about your clients. I mean, you know, you used to be my neighbor. I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania. You was in New Jersey. You got tired of New Jersey taxes. You moved down to, 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 to sunny Texas. And tell us about what uh, GAN Analysis LLC does for its clients. Who is your target audience? Uh, what is your ideal client, and what do you do for them? Well, Ideally, I want clients who have an open mind to ideas that may seem contrary to mainstream thinking. And that would be a range of ideas. The idea that cycles, a 90 calendar day cycle, a one-year cycle, five-year cycle, these cycles can have an effect on the market. And if they're willing to view uh, dispassionately the idea that, hey, let's see if this guy's right. I'm happy to give people access to free older reports. If they register to my website, I give them older reports and they can see if I was right or I was wrong. 
and see how well the GAN cycles worked. Uh, but th the whole notion of GAN, uh, we've discussed this before. W.D. GAN, he lived from 1878 to 1955. He studied the market based on his view that time and price had a relationship on the chart. So the idea that you could look at a chart and say, okay, 90 calendar days down from high, we should look for some sort of turn. And then when you get to that point in time, you say, oh, it looks like it's forming a lower high, or it looks like it's forming a low. You know, you can look at it that way. Or you can say from a low, hey, it's going to rally 90 calendar days, and maybe it'll form at least a temporary high, and then, you know, have a near-term pullback. A lot of people have trouble with that. I mean, there are a lot of famous people who will tell you, and especially on CNBC, they'll tell you, don't try to time the market. It's like a mantra. So if you, if you look at uh, what, they, uh, what they say, what they're really saying is just trust us. Trust our opinion because our opinion is what matters. And I'm saying just the opposite. My opinion doesn't matter at all. I'm not selling my opinion. I'm selling the Gantt charts as the geometry of time and price, how they relate to each other. Um, if you get a, for example, today we're 50%, we have a 50% retracement, half the swing. We bounce off that and we rally back into maybe March 9th. Let's say we rally all next week and then the following Monday we, we form a lower high. If that happens, then I'll tell my clients, maybe there's a possibility you might turn down. In other words, the market doesn't move in a straight line. It's going to have, it's, as soon as you think it's going to just go down forever, it'll go back the other way. And as soon as you think, oh, the coast is clear, everything's good, guess what? It goes back down again. So the idea with GAN is you have to be flexible. You have to say, I don't really know what's going to happen on March 9th, but I know there's a possibility of a turn for the S&P. And depending on how you trade into that date, that'll determine my view on what's going to happen next. So, and a lot of people have a hard time with that concept, but if they look at it, the charts and see it happen over and over and over, they'll come to realize that, Hey, there's some validity to the idea that, hey, there is a relationship between time and price. So that's really what I do. I, I hope that's clear. Yeah. And so how does one get in touch with you? Well, my website is www.ganalysis.net. Uh, so it's GAN, G-A-N-N, analysis, one word, .net. You go there. You register to the website, I give you some free reports, and then, you know, if you're interested, we, um, we have a three-month trial subscription to take advantage of this volatile market right now. I'm offering a super low price to get people to spend three months looking at GAN. Now, if you give it away free, people will treat it like that's what it's worth. But I am putting a price on it because I want people to take it seriously. And if you pay money, chances are they will look at it. But it's not expensive. You try it for three months. You 
try it out and see if it works for you. And then um, the proof is in the pudding. And I'm happy when people try it for three months because I know most of the people who actually try my service for three months, they stay with me. Uh, but it's really hard to get people to open their mind to the idea that, hey, there's a different way of looking at the markets. It's not always, you know, trust the wise man who tells you don't time the market. You know, the wise man, and there's a lot of these guys, I call them wise guys. All they want you to do is trust their view. And all I want you to do is trust the cycles and the Gantt charts and trust your your own judgment based on what's actually happening on the chart. All right. Well, Jim, believe it or not, we are out of time. I want to thank Mr. James Smith, who is the CEO and founder of GAN Analysis LLC for interrupting his day to come on to give us the stock market update. Jim, thanks for coming on the program. Hey, one more thing. Guess where we're at? The S&P is at 29.21. Ooh, there you go. We're bouncing. Well said. Ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up for this week on Leadership with Darrell W. Gunter on WSOU 89.5 FM, streaming on the net at WSOU.net. We want to wish you to have a great weekend, but always remember, leadership begins with you. WSOU 89.5 FM.